Welcome to The Kindness Project, the podcast designed to share stories of kindness and share how kindness can make positive change in our world, one small act at a time. This time on The Kindness Project, Amsterdam on leg, and we have part one with our interview with Ben Payne. Some people were eating Twinkies and some people were drowning themselves in alcohol. I have started the podcast, <laughs> so I don't know who, who, who were drowning themselves in alcohol and eating Twinkies. I was, I was watching Supernatural. I think it's like season five or six or whatever one Lucifer comes back or something. Okay. Does he come back a lot in Supernatural or not? Yeah. Okay. Like for the first time. Uh, welcome, my friends. If you feel like you've just sort of logged in and started listening to a podcast halfway through, you are more than welcome to this episode of The Kindness Project. I'm joined by a girl who clearly spends too much time on Netflix. It's Charlotte Ames. Can't get Supernatural on Netflix. Oh, I, I wouldn't know. Well, unless you're in like America or Japan, but can't get it in England. You can so, only get five seasons in Japan. So I'm joined by a girl who watches too much Netflix and clearly too much Amazon Prime and falls down any internet black hole she sees. It's, uh, it's not difficult. It's, it's, no, <laughs> it's uh, Charlotte Dames. I'm joined by a man who needs no introduction but seems to get one every week <laughs> oh, anyway. Love it's it. Chris Dames. Love it. So where have you been? We've just come back from our Hollybubs, haven't we? In Amsterdam. Amsterdam. How did you find Amsterdam? Strange and smelly. Strange and smelly. I I don't think they're going to be letting you write in the write the tourist guide uh, anytime well, soon. T- t- when I now think about Amsterdam, I now think about all the shops we passed. Yeah, there are some pretty adult shops in Amsterdam. Yeah. I mean, Amsterdam is a beautiful place to go. Yeah, yeah, it's but lovely and the restaurants are nice. The restaurants are nice. The the so jazz. I, I didn't need that detour. Down the right. back alley. I, have, I mean, this is super bad parenting, but when you accidentally <laughs> take your kids, like you want to take them for a wander to see some beautiful canals and look at the more salubrious side of Amsterdam, and suddenly you turn a corner and you're in the middle of the red light district, it is a bit embarrassing. And I did try and get you out as quick as I can. Did you I, just did led I? us further in. I know. I know, it's like a tunnel of debauchery, Amsterdam. So I don't think Amsterdam's going to be letting us write the tourist guide anytime soon. You, you're going to call it strange and smelly, not a um, shining example well, of a good review on TripAdvisor. The first things that come to mind are the, the, the shops. <laughs> the shops. <laughs> she's, doing, she's saying the shops with an eyebrow raise. The shops. You know yeah. what shops. How about all the amazing stuff we did? Like, like all the art and all the live jazz well, and all that sort of stuff. Jazz. As opposed to one, the shops. One, I don't like jazz. Especially not the experimental kind. It's weird. Uh, and we went to a lot of art galleries and a lot of museums. That was good. How about that Banksy exhibition? That was amazing. Yeah. Not 2K? I don't remember it. Okay. <laughs> In all of honest, I don't remember a lot of that. Uh, Genuinely, <laughs> I, 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 don't, I don't know why I bother. I, I try and give my children these cultural experiences and suddenly they I don't remember. I remember this one painting and it said, and it, had, it was like a really nice painting and it had Home Sweet Home graffiti across it. That was a Banksy. And the one on the wall that said, if graffiti changed anything, it would be illegal. 
which I thought was funny because it is illegal. <laughs> clever, very clever. So, so Amsterdam, your review in two words again was... Strange and smelly. Strange and because smelly. Because of the shops and the constant smell when you were in the centre of the city. Okay. But but it, was, it wasn't a negative smell, it was just... Drugs. Smell. There we go. That's yeah, the one. yeah. We know we know what Amsterdam's like, but I think Amsterdam gets a bit of an unfair rap because it's known for marijuana and the shops. The shops. Um, uh, but actually, there's a lot to do in Amsterdam. Mm. It's amazing. I mean that. Rooftop uh, concert on top of the science museum was really good. Well, that was funky with the with the water on the wheels and you just oh. I got sprayed by a tiny child doing that. <laughs> it was brilliant. So so there were elements of Amsterdam that were really good. Yeah, yeah, like the restaurants. Do you remember that burger place we went to? Oh. It was the last night. Burger that burger was really good. Oh. Yeah. What what was in yours? Uh, I had double cheese. I'm just peeing up like a chicken. Oh, I had that omelette place. Oh my god, I didn't even have an omelette there. Well, I, I had a savoury omelette called the Popeye, right? So it had spinach in, I think it had a bit of ham in, a bit of cheese in. By the way, if you're in Amsterdam, visit Omelette. Omleg is the restaurant we're talking about. There are other about. restaurants available. Other egg restaurants are available. Probably. Not as good, probably not as good as Omleg. We got there, there was a queue at the door. We waited for about 10, 15 minutes. And, and so the anticipation of this omelette was quite... I connected um, to the Wi-Fi before we even got inside. Yeah, with, that's what the other thing you do. You connect to the Wi-Fi everywhere you go. <laughs> um, and then we went in. I ordered a spinach and ham, like quite a traditional omelette. Sophie, banana and peanut butter omelette. I'm going in my head, I'm going, banana and peanut butter? Surely that's a pancake? <coughs> oh no, it's just as good in an omelette. And that, I think, my friends, is my new favourite dish. And I had a muesli pot. It's quite like the banana, really. Yeah, yeah. No, I thought that was in a place called Omleg. You went for a muesli. Why did you go for the muesli? I'm not a big omelette person. That's why I always have. That's why I always make my own breakfast when you make omelettes. That is sacrilege. But as I love you, I'll forgive you once. I'm just not a big egg person. Okay, I prefer enough. cheese. So um, today's question of the podcast is uh, one that should be close to your heart. Uh, the question is, what's your biggest internet black hole? So when you like, either go into an online game or go into a website or look at something, um, when, when, like, what things do you suddenly find, oh, that's four hours, we'll never get back, and has gone without re- realising it. I know what mine is, I've got two. Number one is Wikipedia, because I'll go, oh, there's an interesting article about the actor Nicolas Cage. Um, oh, he was in Conia. Oh, let me find out a little bit about John Malkovich. And I'm literally click clicks in every article. I did that about Iron Brew and I learned about <laughs> I learned about the compound that's in Iron Brew and apparently if you have enough Iron Brew you can make pure iron. How much iron? Right. How much iron do I have to make pure iron? I think it was about the mass of a continent. <laughs> So you need a continent full of iron brew to make pure iron. Yeah, because it's, it's probably not the most efficient way to make no, iron. Because like, there's enough iron in iron brew. But Is there actually iron in iron brew? It's part of 
part of a chemical compound. Okay. Um, so there's a chemical compound in iron brew that's got iron in it. So if you just... I wonder why that's, that's why it's called iron brew, maybe. Oh, wow. Uh, no. I just kind of kept clicking and clicking. And we did this thing once when we were... We finished our work in a lesson. We were just sitting on the computer trying to figure out what we could get to and we just kept getting back to the same thing it was like every time we end up in science i was like okay yeah do you do it in your own personal time as opposed to when you're meant to be learning you're do, do you ever do you ever <laughs> <laughs> yes that is right i don't think how much <laughs> iron brew do you need to make iron? Oh, no, that I did in my own time. Times. That I did in my own oh, time. Oh, good, good, good. So what, what, what other internet black holes you get lost at? Wattpad. Anytime I go down Wattpad, unless I'm pulled out and just sit and gone. That's when people go on. It's like a Facebook for storytellers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You just, you kind of, you go on and you can start a story and then you just post the chapters as you go along. And some people choose to write the whole thing and then post it, but most people choose to write one chapter, post it, write another, post it, write another, post it, and then it gets more popular as time goes on, or it doesn't get popular at all in the case of my stories on there. Anywho. It's all, it's all practice. Yeah, it's exactly. All practice. Exactly. Right. Um, but is, there, is there any particular genre that stands out? Or not? <laughs> no. Okay, I read a lot of angst. <laughs> no, really? <laughs> no, really? Um, I read a lot of stuff and it's like, it starts out all happy and nice and then someone dies and it's like, no! <laughs> right. Why do you react to somebody dying? Because that seems rather wrong. <laughs> Everything gets out of control, and then, and then <laughs> it's really entertaining. Like because, like, okay, it's not entertaining in the in the normal sense. Where it's like, oh my god, this makes me so happy. It's like, oh my god, I'm so enthralled. Are they going to be better? Are they going to be okay? Are they going to come out of this alive? Gotcha. Gotcha. Half the time they don't. It's very funny. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Back on your way. <laughs> Only twenty five percent of the time they don't come out of it alive. Finished. I didn't want to interrupt. <laughs> you went down your own mental black hole. Uh, I, could, I could go further. You remember when we... Uh, uh, could you? Yeah. Really? Do, do you remember when you, when you asked me about a Glee character and I went on and on and on and on yeah. and you just, you just didn't you, stop well, me? I, I tell you what, not only do you go down internet black holes, if you mention something that you are even vaguely interested in, you go, <laughs> right... I've got to now Here's spit, my out, list of facts. spit out every single piece of information I know about that particular character. 45 minutes later, I'm going, I only asked you where you was. I only asked you, I asked you. Whether you, it was you Wednesday. Could... Oh, I know a character called Wednesday. Four hours later. I don't know a character called Wednesday. Do you know a character called Tuesday? No. Oh. No. Monday? No. Um, oh no no, there's there's that movie um, called What Happened to Monday, and it's about the oh that is amazing. The se- I haven't seen it, but it's yeah. like the seven sisters, and they're all named after a day of the week because that's the day out they're allowed out, and something happens to Monday. And that is a brilliant film, by the way. Available on Netflix. Other streaming solutions are available. So, the question of the podcast is, what is your own personal internet black cow? And you can get in touch with us on... The internet.
the black hole that is the internet. Uh, it will swallow you alive. Email us at holler at the kindnessproject.co.uk. We have a Facebook apparently. You can search so. it. Yeah. We're on the Kindness Project. It's now. magic, so. Um, no, uh, and we're on Google, and yeah, we're just. And all that jazz. I'll tell you what, do me a favour. Just Google 17th Abbey's podcast in the world, and I'm sure it will come up. We might have moved are. up by now. We might be. We might be a little bit further up. Um, who's to know? Um, the Happiest Podcast Association. <laughs> Do you reckon that's an official association? The HPA. HPA. Happy Podcast Association. We are members at number 17. <laughs> Do you reckon um, they release a podcast yearly and they just, just at the end they go, Happy Podcasting? I would love that. That'd be funny and iconic. I don't think that happens. Oh. Um, anyway, so shall we get on with the show? Sure. So today's interview is with a, an amazing man who's mi- called Mr. Ben Payne. And I've just got to tell you the story of how I met Ben, okay? Do you know this story? Is it, is it the one about the place with the airfield? Yes, yeah, it is. Yeah. So I did a charity skydive earlier in the year. And um, uh, uh, prior to that, about four weeks, four or six weeks to that, I've invited to a, an event, a charity event, um, at a place called the Ministry of Stories. And what the Ministry of Stories does is it helps kids tell better stories and write better and write more. Um, they do amazing, amazing work. Um, and I can go to this event for some reason. Uh, but four weeks later, I am ready to jump out of the plane. The man in front of me puts a T-shirt on saying, The Ministry of Stories. And then I got a bit busy falling out of the plane at 10,000 feet, so I didn't have the chance to talk to him about this T-shirt I recognised. However, when I landed, it went all right. I landed and it was all good. He's still here. You know what? It did worry me, though, because the guy who was... Um, uh, I was falling out of the plane with him. He was 20 years younger than me. He was 22 years of age. And I'm going, I am, you are a boy, and I'm trusting you in my life. <laughs> I don't know whether this is a good move or not, but he got me, he got me safely down. Worked out really well. I've gone up to Ben, who was the guy wearing the T-shirt, and said, I recognise, not you, but the T-shirt from somewhere. And I think I was meant to come to one of your charity events a couple of weeks ago. And he went, are you... Are you Chris? Are you Chris Davis? I went, yeah. He went, yeah, we thought um, you didn't exist. We thought somebody had made you up. Um, so I was real to him. Well, was, because your name is so strange. Yeah, exactly, because I've got a weird surname. He was uh, real to me. I've never met a man jumping out of a plane before. Um, we didn't shake hands halfway down. We waited till <laughs> we were on terra firma. But um, I said to him, look, I'd love for you to come on the podcast and tell us a lot a little bit about Ministry of Stories and that's what Ben did and the first part of the interview was I not part of this interview I might remember this one no no I don't think you were was this week would you like to listen to it yes so today we're joined by uh, Ben who um, is going to tell us a little bit about him and the amazing work that he does but I want I want you to to first, Ben, share the story about how we met, because it's quite an interesting <laughs> one, isn't it? I like the story. <laughs> uh, yeah, um, 
Well, it's amazing who you, you can meet hurtling 10,000. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so we uh, met on the right. ground. I mean, we didn't we didn't meet mid-air, did we? But we no, were, we no, were both... we sort of met just after we landed yeah. on no, the ground. No, you didn't meet halfway down the handshake, did you? That, you know what? That would have been amazing, wouldn't it? Meeting meeting halfway down and just like, hey, <laughs> I recognise your T-shirt. Yeah, I, 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 don't, I don't think... Sorry. Listeners, we, we Ben and I met um, during a skydive. We both did a skydive. I was raising money for a charity up in North London, and Ben uh, was raising money for the Ministry of Stories, who he's going to tell us a lot about. Um, but I, re- I was due to go to a quiz night um, to raise some money for the Ministry of Stories. I couldn't make it, but I did recognise Ben's T-shirt. So I said, um, I, I, I think I know... Uh, know who you're here to raise money for but uh, yeah it's a it's a small world right it is and uh, the weird thing is as soon as you said your name I recognized it as the person who who didn't turn up (laughs) (laughs) Um, out of about 100 people and we were going is he coming or not does anybody know him does he exist you know is he is he a made-up nine yeah, I, I, I can confirm I am I am real. I am real. Um, well, so, I should like, I'd like to think so. Uh, you'd hope so. Yeah. You'd hope so. Um, Charlotte, would you, you know what was weird? Just talking about the skydiving for a minute. At the end of my skydive video, I did nominate somebody else to skydive. And guess whose name I mentioned? Anybody else's but mine? It was actually yours. Would you ever do no. it? No. Would you ever do no. it? No. Okay. Never. Okay. So Ben, um, uh, just so we can start and our our audience, our community can hear a little bit about um, you. Tell us a little bit about you. Um, well, my background is as a writer, uh, and I worked for probably about um, fifteen years in professional theatre as a writer and a director. Okay. Uh, um, developing new plays mainly um, and about 10 years ago I met the other founder of the Ministry of Stories, uh, Lucy McNam, and it was a very sort of accidental meeting a bit like ours yeah. and we were both interested in, in projects and uh, organisations that supported young people and children to write Okay. so that was our sort of mutual interest and from that we we decided that we wanted to set up the organisation that became the ministry, basically. And where did that first meeting occur? Um, it was on a training programme uh, for in action learning. We were learning how to be action learning set facilitators. Okay. okay. So it really was very, very random. Um, oh. But interestingly, lots of the stuff that we learned through that sort of six-month training programme, we ended up using quite a lot in not thinking about how to set the organization up so um it was all it was all good and it was actually also you know the spark to something really um very important yeah okay amazing and you you mentioned about um meeting your partner and then and then setting up ministry of stories for the for for our listeners who don't know about ministry of stories tell us what it does and the impact it has so the Ministry of Stories is a writing and mentoring centre for children and young people. Um, it's based in East London, uh, in Hoxton. Okay. And we, 
And really what we try and do is build the confidence and creativity and uh, craft of children and young people in, in learning to write better. Okay. Um, I'm saying we, I mean, I left the organisation two months ago and right. actually my, the last thing I did was the skydive okay. as a way of saying goodbye to the organisation. So I, I'm trying to learn to stop saying we. we yeah. There now, but anyway, that that's the that's the mission of the organisation. I, so I, I think, in effect, what we're trying to do is change children and young people's um, attitudes and ability to uh, to write. Because okay. for a lot of children and young people, it's not something that they find particularly easy or particularly fun. Yeah. And and we really feel that it can be. So that's our mission: is to um, make it possible, make it more possible for children and young people to write how, how did you how did you get into writing um well um interestingly i got into writing because of my dad okay. something that my dad did when i was nine years old and uh so what happened was i wrote a story it was my first um original story uh and it was called boff the explorational dog okay so it was about a dog that had lots of did lots of exploring Adventures. and i thought it must be a word for a dog that explores a lot yeah. but i couldn't actually think of the word so i just made one up which was the explorational bit so yeah. i made that word up and the story was you know full of spelling mistakes and yeah. all over the place and everything um i came up with this rather clever idea I thought that it was my dad's birthday and that I could give the story to my dad for his birthday without having to buy him a present <laughs> now you've never tried that with me Charlotte uh, maybe maybe you could write me a story for my next see I never wrote you a, so a story but I did want to write that parody of Under the Sea and play that on ukulele for you you did yeah. you did You did write me a song didn't you? <laughs> yes well you didn't write me a song you wrote me the lyrics to a song, which yeah. is which is good enough. Yeah, good enough. Yeah. So, can you write me a story next year or not? Because <laughs> I'm not already working on it. Oh, I, I love that. I love that. Um, well, yeah. I guess the important thing about it was his birthday was on the 9th of December. Okay. And my birthday is is a terrible time. It's two days after Christmas. Right. So it's a few weeks later. And what he did in the intervening time is he went off and he had the story printed up into 50 little books. Oh, I love it. All my illustrations and everything. And he again gave it back to me <laughs> on my birthday. Yeah. And I remember being completely shocked that he'd been able to do that. Yeah. Uh, and he always he always remembered what I said, which was when I opened the fifty booklets. I said, "I'm too young to be famous." <laughs> oh, bless! I love that. What did you do with it? Have you uh, two questions? I suppose number one: Did you keep a copy of that original? Story. Yes, there's, I, I, I'm, I'm getting slightly anxious about it because I think my mum still has some copies, but yeah. I don't actually have one myself. Right, it's, okay. It's quite an important thing. And it's an important thing not really just because of the physical book, but actually... Memory, I mean, isn't it? That, that gift yeah. was kind of what gave me, you know, the kind of confidence and the validation to think something that 
you know, I could write, could be published. But it was more about, you know, this is something that it, I can do. And I think that, that, you know, I took forward to pretty much everything that I've done yeah. since. Yeah. And, and, you know, this, this is a sort of important thing about what we were trying to do at the ministry, that in some way by involving people who cared about writing and cared about stories, uh, and to some extent, you know, publishing the work that the children did in the in the same kind of way, yeah. we're, we're kind of recreating that sort of relationship. Yeah. Awesome. How, how much of how much of the work you do is about um, uh, uh, inspiring people to believe they can do that, and how much is in making them better writers? Because I'd imagine there's a combination of the two, isn't there? Because when the story you've just told is all about somebody showing you what's possible, right? Um, um, and so, so how, how, how do you how, how does it work? How does how does it practically work when you work with children? Well, I, I think it is totally about the the inspiration, okay. and I think that comes from um, opening our children and young people to understand that lots of things that they enjoy on the on a day to day basis are yeah. actually written. So yeah. songs are written, yeah. you know, books, books are written. Yeah. Uh, games and all the things yeah. that you know are there in around the world, in the world involved yeah. in the writers in some way yeah. yeah so understanding that means that they can be put in the role of you know you can write and you can author those things i think there is a thing about the, the better learning to do it better is about understanding that um it's not something you just sort of dash off yeah that if it going to have an audience in some way it needs to be refined doesn't it you need you need to craft it and you need to edit it and as soon as they sort of understand that it's actually going to have a you know there's going to be a real person like them you know might be their parents or it might be their peers or it might be a group of people coming to an event that they understand that you know they're going to read their story or their story is going to be seen or experienced by other people all of the stuff around editing becomes sort of second nature they understand that you know they want it to be good they want it to be as best as it can be yeah yeah the best it can be yeah Um, and i mean the key in that is the fact that we recruit you know around 250 people to be writing mentors so in every workshop that we run um, we hope we aim to have you know up to eight people there whose job is to support and encourage them in the writing because typically what happens in the classroom is you have a teacher and you have 30 yeah. children yeah. and uh, you know it's very difficult to give them the sort of one-on-one Feedback. attention whereas yeah. if you've got you know a, a larger proportion of adults in the room that yeah. that becomes much more possible and yeah. that's really fundamental to the way and, the way it and works. that that encouragement is probably lacking in bigger classrooms where it's yes. project-based as opposed to... And, and I'm, I saw on the website that, that Nick Hornby was involved in yes. the, in the uh, project. How did, how did he get involved and what's his involvement? Well, um, we were inspired by a project in America called um, 826 Valencia, which is... Okay. is a very similar, um, based on a very similar model, and Nick was a friend of the guy who who was the sort of trailblazer for that set okay. the first one up. Right, and he said he used to go and visit him in America 
think it would be a brilliant thing to do something like that in London. Yeah. And then he'd get on the plane and nine hours later he'd get off and think, well, you know, I'm a full-time writer. I have a family. Yeah. I wouldn't know how to set up something like this. And so he, he, he sort of stalled. He was always stalling yeah. on it. And then actually through another writer who knew that Lucy and I were wanting to do this, we were we were introduced to him. Okay. And so he he's been a brilliant patron. We call him our first minister. And yeah. he's been incredibly supportive and helpful to us. Yeah. But he wants the whole job of starting up the organization, you know, all the stuff that goes into yeah. making a charity work. That's not something that he he yeah, he, did, he didn't want the admin of it, right? Sorry? <laughs> he didn't want the admin. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, he, he, he's he been a real creative inspiration yeah. to us. And, you know, having him having him part of it has made a huge difference in lots yeah, of ways. I can say that, he, yeah. He was the chair of our trustees for kind of three or four years, and okay. he's always very modest about that and said, you know, I don't think I really knew what I was doing there and we both felt he really often asked us the best questions because yeah. he sort of cut through all of the nonsense that we yeah. were so, struggling with sometimes you need that don't you you need those incisive questions to help you yeah, move forward exactly. um, so help me understand Help me understand what what place you think storytelling has in a ch- child's life. So, if if somebody's coming in, uh, never engaged with storytelling before, uh, as a as a as a young adult or a child, why do you think storytelling is so important? Um, uh, well, our age range is um, we we have gone up to older, up to sort of seventeen or eighteen. Okay. But- Fundamentally, we're we're about what's called transition, which is the the age from moving from primary into secondary school. Okay. <clears throat> and there there are two things I think that are going on, and they're, they're linked, but I think they're actually they are different. Um, that transition from primary to secondary, if you're just talking about sort of educational attainment, is a, is a massive leap for some children. So, for instance, if they don't have English as a first language or they're already sort of finding uh, reading and writing a bit of a challenge, yeah. to suddenly go up into secondary school where you're having to engage with that sort of older curriculum yeah. is, a, is a big leap. So anything you know we were told by teachers and and people working with children that anything you could do to kind of um, inspire children into thinking writing was possible at that kind of age is is going to be helpful so that that's the sort of educational part of it but i for me i think there's something much more fundamental about it which is i think at that age the the, the child is beginning to tell the story of who they are yeah as an individual so it's it's absolutely fundamental to how they then go on in later life it's a sense of them working out their identity 
in relation to themselves, to their friends, their family, their yeah. community. They're, they're asking the questions about where they are in the world in yeah. a very broad way. Yeah. And if you can support them to tell, you know, a, you know, a positive and, you know, authentic and articulate story about themselves, I think it is a huge help. Yeah. to their to everything that they'll go on and and do later in life whether it's to do yeah. with work but also to do with you know things like well-being yeah. and being able Mental to health. find yeah you know just yeah. just be in the world in a way that is um you know positive and, yeah. and optimistic and forward-looking and in under, understanding other people as well which yeah. is sort of fundamental well it's it's interesting well a phrase that i i tend to use and and quite like is that we're all heroes of our own story aren't we so so to a certain extent the stories we write ourselves through the experiences we have can can lead towards how we define ourselves and define our lives um yeah um so helping helping people at that vulnerable age write more positive stories about themselves um, is a is a is a is a fundamental thing how about if um how about if they want to they're they're really good at writing um quite dark stories would you encourage that because i'd imagine that there's there's an element to say you know good good dark storytelling there's a place for that in the world Yes, but maybe not so. that and I, and I actually think um, that at a certain kind of age, um, you know, where where they're sort of moving into adolescence, yeah. it's almost a sort of given that they get very interested in those kind of quite dark, yeah. gothic subjects. Um, and it's not necessarily that we encourage them, but we don't necessarily say, well, that's that's obviously a bad thing if they're writing about yeah. kind of vampires and, and dead people yeah. and, and monsters because yeah. you know we have a shop for monsters so yeah. uh it, you know it's it's part of how they're understanding the world yeah. and and actually it is a natural thing i mean i i actually remember from work that i did before ministry which was around young playwrights often they would they would go through that shift literally in the middle of writing a play yeah so <laughs> yeah so, so it start starts all sunshine and lollipops and then goes goes a little bit uh, right at the end yeah absolutely and it's even like the handwriting would would go <laughs> a bit sort of odd and scrawly and you yeah. kind of thought, oh there's something else is something else is happening now because this was happening over a course of a over years, yeah, and, you know, there can be big changes happening in those years. Agreed. And some of our volunteers would kind of look at some of the things that the children were writing and go, "Oh, that's a bit dark," and I'm a bit worried that, yeah. you know, that means something terrible is happening at home. And and we'd always, you know, be cautious and you know try and yeah. be supportive and ask the right questions but, but you know 99 times out of 100 it was really because it's another way of them exploring the world and yeah. their understanding of and, the world and i think as well there's a catharsis in writing isn't there you know there's an element of getting the ideas out of your head and onto a page and sometimes yeah. sometimes that yeah, like a ventilation of yeah. Could you could you quite like? I mean, you're 15, but you quite like. You're right. Some of your writing's quite dark, isn't it? It has a really weird range from um, killing.
killing people off and murdering everyone to um, to the cheesiest romance scenes you will ever find. Oh yeah, you love writing the little yeah from 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 mass murder to romance. I, I remember I, I did a I did an English language A level, and there was I don't think I've ever. What, told, what did you do that for? I, I, did, I thought it might be good at the time, um, uh, but yeah, I uh, I used to sit next to this uh, boy who, um, whilst we were in English language, wrote a mini-series of stories all called You Spilt My Pint. And it was about... <laughs> it was about have I ever told you about yeah. that? And it was about... Effectively, it was uh, just the same bloke in a different pub every week and how he attacked the person who seemed to continuously spill his pint. And I thought, yeah, I don't know if I'd read that, mate, <laughs> so to be honest. I would, I've never read that. And, and that. and that brings me on to my next subject, because I suppose I suppose the other thing is sometimes we lose both the joy and satisfaction of storytelling when we become adults. Um, and how do, you, how, do you, how do you make people continuously excited about storytelling? Um, well, I, I mean, one of the ways the, the, the ministry does it, I think, is about the fact that we have these people who volunteer to, to be the writing mentors. So, okay. I mean, they and they, you know, they are amazing because they come in and they, you know, they, they donate their time and um, they sign up for these kind of workshops. And they're often with us for, you know, quite extended periods of time. Um, years sometimes they yeah. kind of commit to us yeah. and and I think maybe they think when they're coming in that you know the the, the benefit is all going to be one way okay. perhaps their idea is that they're coming in to kind of help children who are struggling and they definitely are doing that but there's something about being um, owned up to children's creativity and young people's creativity that actually the adults find inspires them yeah gotcha no, I'll get that yeah. So it, it's mutually very beneficial, and and then I think as adults, I think we sometimes lose our way yeah. in um, you know our personal and our professional life, um, you know, in terms of what we're working on yeah. in our day to day businesses yeah. or in our organisations or you know in terms of our kind of relationships yeah. as we grow older and I really believe that you know forms of writing and storytelling are a brilliant way of actually sorting that through I agree think, yeah thinking creatively and and yeah. you know again getting it out there and and looking at the stuff that you carry around inside your head yeah. is actually a fundamentally yeah. really beneficial way uh, uh, of dealing with some of the stuff that we we do yeah I, 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 I mean my experience is that writing is a bit of a catharsis and it's yeah it's yeah. just one of those things where where it certainly helps the the writing mentors you have they're typically writers themselves i'd imagine no, not not always. I mean, um, you know, when we were training people, we would try and reassure them that um, you know you might feel you know if you had teaching experience or you were a writer or you you know you were a big reader, all of that is going to be really great as a, being a role model. Yeah. But you know, sometimes we would have. Um, you know, mums who were kind of from the local community who were yeah. kind of returning to work and seeing volunteering as part of that transition. And actually, they had a load of 
you know, load of skills about how to support and work with children and manage behaviour, all of which is, you know, yeah, fundamentally well. important yeah. as well. Yeah. So we always try to sort of say, um, you know, actually having a diversity of experiences in the room is really helpful. I mean, all the people who are the kind of staff members or the tutors or the freelance facilitators will tend to be, you know, have writing as a skill uh, uh, that, you know, they, um, but they might be different writers. They might be poets or playwrights or they might be copywriters or journalists or speech writers. So they they bring that sort of element of the kind of professional understanding yeah. of what it's like to be a writer. And and, and in, ter- in terms of the young people you support, are they typically around the East London area or is it more geographically spread? Yeah, it's, it's primarily about that. So um, we work with schools primarily in the three adjacent boroughs to where we are which is um Tower Hamlets uh Islington and Hackney okay um and then particularly around our the after school um community clubs we call them the children actually have to live or go to school within 500 meters of the of the center so that is very very local local yeah super local Uh, so that was the interview with Ben you weren't involved <laughs> and if you were, Russell would tell us, but I don't think you were. I can't remember. Um, but that was a good interview, wasn't it? Yes. Tis the end. I'm trying to be very careful with the mic because it's very temperamental right now. And I really and, don't want to kill it. And the, and the end is never really the end, is it, Charlotte? Because the end is only the beginning. The end, yada, is, only yada, the, yada. The end is only the beginning of last week's question of the podcast answered this week. And last week, um, we had a question about happiness, funny enough. And it was, oh. what song never fails to make you smile? For me at the minute... The answer's simple. It's Bring Me Sunshine, Malcolm and Myers. What's yours at the minute? I And the other one that I really like at the minute, and I can't stop humming, is... Do, 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 do. And the one where they start chatting in the middle. You know what I'm talking about? No. Um, anyway, the other... I thought it would be the Smoky song. But oh, the... oh, oh. Right, let's talk about the smoky song next time. If we start talking about the smoky song, it's yeah, gonna go. Know. That's our black hole. That's that, our black that, hole. That, that, that's a twin. That is a conversational black hole right there. But we will be talking. We'll, we'll get onto it. It's very important. We'll talk about the smoky song next week. Um, but we had a bunch of answers. Carol Staunton said, who let, the do- who let the dogs out? Cracks me up every time. Kay Potter said, walking on sunshine. Yes, love that song. Gillian Bird said, always look on the bright side of life. <laughs> and, oh, what an atmosphere. I like the first one better. Okay. Roberta White said, the sun has got its hat on. And Isn't She Lovely by Stevie Wonder. Sophie loves that song. Sophie loves that song. Lisa King said, Upside Down by Diana Ross. Natalie Whitphillips said, Wham, Wake Me Up Will You Go Go. Sue Nolan, Ace of Spades. The Ace of Spades. The Ace of Spades. Cookie. 
friend of the show said, Mark Morrison, return of the Mac, the magic numbers, love me like you, and a hard take on me. Uh, David Whittington said, always look on the bright side of life, again, super popular. Catherine Knowles said, as the world falls down by Gil in a coma, that <laughs> sounds like that would be up your street. Very teen angsty. Well, I'm, I am enjoying a bit of Don't Fear the Reaper at the moment. Oh, you know what one I like that is a bit angsty at the minute? Um, youth. <gasps> we are in the Texas, we are the wild youth. Yeah, it's a great song. My daughter, yes. Um, Colin Lowe said Dignity by Deacon Blue. Uh, Gris Bud said Dixie Chicken by Little Feet. Best joke in a rock song ever. Simon Harney said, Twas the summer of 69. Um, Brian Adams at Warwick Castle on a warm, sultry July evening with great company, my wife... Was that great company, my wife, or great company and my wife? Don't know. No, no, it's um, saying his wife was great company okay, to have. No. Excellent concert and a great place to enjoy it too. Many years ago, but still, still brings back wonderful memories. And Simon Denton said, Friday I'm in Love by The Cure, which is an amazing song. Yep. And that, my friends, is it for this week's... Uh, podcast. Don't forget the website www.thekindishproject.co.uk. Don't forget you can buy merch on there. Merch. Don't forget <laughs> merch. <laughs> you just said like old Northern man now. Merch. Um, don't forget that you can email us, tweet us with any comments that you've got about the Kindness Project and much, much more. And we'll see you next week. Yep. <laughs> Bye. <laughs>